In March 2023, jazz musician Wayne Shorter died at the age of 89. I didn't know him. I wasn't familiar with his music. But I recognized his name right away when I came across the story of his death because I remembered that he'd lost his wife and niece in the crash of TWA 800. That's one of the great tragedies of public tragedies. People remember your name for all the wrong reasons. In the August 5th, 1996 issue of People magazine, sandwiched between a page of Hollywood news briefs and a story about Friends star David Schwimmer's mom is a story about the crash. That's where I first read about Wayne Shorter. Included in the package is a two-page spread of photos of the young victims. According to the story, there were 47 people on the plane under the age of 21. 37 are pictured, including my classmates. For most of them, all you get is their name, age, and hometown. That's another tragedy. They're being written about because of how they died, not because of who they were. One of the photos is of Courtney Johns, age 18, from Clarkston, Michigan. She's exceptionally pretty and has a warm smile. She looks like someone you want to be friends with. The copy at the top of the page describes her as a high school tennis star. But to her brother, and now to the world, she's a superhero. I'm Erica Grotto. This is Survived By. This one time, this one time, I don't want to be alone. Jeff Johns is a writer, producer, and showrunner. If you know anything about comics, you probably already know who he is. But back in 1996, he was just a guy from Detroit hoping to make it in Los Angeles. Moved out with three friends and... Uh... We got an apartment off the internet and we had a two bedroom apartment for four people, which I don't recommend, um, but it was fun. And I cold called Richard Donner's office and Richard Donner directed Superman, the movie, the original one, Lethal Weapon movies, The Goonies, Maverick, a lot of great films that I love, The Omen, Twilight Zone episodes. He's a huge director, very influential director on me. And I cold called his office in 1996 I think probably in March. Um, I remember I got here March 1st when our lease opened. And ultimately that cold call led to an internship which led to a, a production assistant job in his office. And, um, and ultimately I became Dick's assistant. It was an auspicious beginning to what became a great career. But much like the characters he writes about, Johns was about to have his life upended by tragedy. So the first year I moved to Los Angeles, um, was also the year my sister died. July 17th, 1996 was a typical day until that phone call that changed everything. I was driving, I was delivering something, maybe a script or something in, in Los Angeles. I think I was somewhere really far out, like in Malibu, where I had like a an hour drive home. And I heard about the plane on the radio. And I, I didn't know that my sister was on that plane at the time. I didn't realize that was the plane she was going to be on. And so it wasn't until I got home that my dad called me. I mean, I'll never forget the call. My dad called me and, you know, that's that's when kind of everything, you know, shattered. And I have this, actually have this Batman and Robin trash can um, that my sister gave me one Christmas. And I, I kept it always. And I brought it to my, I my apartment. I remember I went and kicked it really hard. It's all I could think to do. And um, 
and I immediately got it and, and, and kind of fixed the dent. And I actually have that trash can sitting next to me. And uh, the dent's still there. <laughs> Through shock, confusion, and grief, John's made plans to fly home to his family. Richard Donner paid for the trip for him and one of his roommates. I barely remember the flight. I don't remember going to the airport. Um, my friend, his name is Jeff, too. He got me down there. He's a, he's an editor at Marvel now. Um, he got me down there. And, uh, and and I remember being in the car rental place, waiting for him to get the car and just thinking, I just want to get the car and get to my parents' house. And, and then everything was kind of a blur. Life up until then, you it kind of made sense, like, but I remember thinking like this makes no sense. Like, what's the purpose of this? What are like, wh why did this happen? Like, why, why trying to just find a reason and there just wasn't one. And and that was the, that was one of the hardest things too, because it, it's, it was just unthinkable. Tell me about Courtney. What was she like? She was amazing, <laughs> super funny, but she was um, really like, enthusiastic and confident and driven and take charge felt like she never had any fear was cooler than my brother and I like she was just she was kind of just a badass and she was so she just always I remember just always admiring how confident she was and how she was not afraid to try something and how she just would you know she just would go for it she just she just had a lot of strength and power um and 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 you know um and she was funny and she was kind and she looked out for the underdog and she was competitive and she's just a great kid she was just a great great kid i really i really 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 loved that kid she was awesome before courtney's death Johns was making things happen for himself in Los Angeles. After, her legacy became an important part of his success. In 1998, he created a teenage superhero called Stargirl, also known as Courtney Whitmore, in memory of his sister. I really wanted to create a teenage female superhero that was her own thing. She wasn't a Batgirl or a Supergirl, like somebody else's kind of character that spun off i wanted to make her her own thing and so i had found this old comic book from the 1940s called star spangled comics and in it there was a the, the whole twist back then was that the kid was the leader and the adult was the sidekick and so it was this kid named the star spangled kid and his sidekick was the family driver it's from a rich family and his name was stripesy and it was kind of this big mechanic. And it was a very obscure story. It didn't last very long. It only lasted like, I think, six issues in the original run. But I thought about taking the idea of a female lead in the DC universe and making the making her have an adult sidekick and doing it through a stepfather, stepdaughter relationship, because that didn't really exist. And I, But I really wanted to have a female character, a lead that was like Courtney, overconfident, you know, um, enthusiastic, optimistic, can-do attitude, gets into trouble because she tries everything, stands up for everybody, uh, really try and capture a little bit of the spark in her. 
And so Courtney Whitmore was created and, and Pat Dugan, who, who was her stepfather, was the original sidekick from those 1940s comics. Stripesy got, I reinvented him and brought him back and and um, gave him a, a big giant robot because uh, I love the visual of a of a of a teenage female superhero and a big giant robot following her around, trying to protect her and get her out of trouble. Because that's how I felt a lot of the times as a big brother. In 2019, Stargirl became a TV show and ran for three seasons on the CW. I got to show run the show. It's the first show I ever show ran, meaning that I got to cast it, write it. I was in charge of the writers' room, the budget, the production, editing. Like it was everything. It was my show. And I worked with an amazing group of people, but I got to do it my way and see the vision through. Although he enjoys collaboration, John said he was protective of his vision this time. But somehow he found the right team and things just worked. And there were several strange coincidences, too. John's calls them destiny points. I'm not super, super spiritual and I'm not. But but this this kind of stuff just says something is, is so I, I watched hundreds and hundreds of auditions for Courtney. And of course, this was going to be a hard role to cast for me. They needed to be strong, powerful, and, and funny. And there was one person that just stood out, and her name is Breck Bassinger, who played Courtney Whitmore in Stargirl. And I watched, when I watched her tape, it was everything that I wanted to be and more she captured that magic. She she elevated it. She was just perfect. And I immediately was like, that's her. I watched that tape 20 times that day, and I could not wait to meet her and have her read in person. And we did. Rich D'Elia was my casting director on Stargirl, and he, and he found her, and, and I'm so grateful for that. And Brett came in, and she was just delightful. And later, after she got the role and... We spoke and met, and, and I found out she was born the month and year the first issue of Stars and Stripe came out. On top of that, the show was greenlit to series on the day my sister died, in July, in July. And it was renewed for season three on her birthday, May 3rd. And wow. so there's these really strange kind of cosmic you know, goalposts that have somehow intersected into this process. And again, I'm not overly, you know, I'm not an astrologist or, or anything like that, but it did, it just was strange. It was, it's weird. There's some weird coincidences and weird things, but I, I know that um, making the show, it's such a gift that I got the opportunity to do it that I got to pour my talent and all these other people's talents into something for my sister and, and create something that we're all super proud of and, and captures her spirit perfectly, but, but became its own thing too. You know, it kind of grew beyond her. It became a, a bigger thing because the character is just, it continues to grow and evolve and everything, but, but she's the, you know, she's the fire starter for it. Courtney's a Genesis. Stargirl became the biggest gift I could have ever gotten. Um, and, you know, my brother and I talk a lot and I'm like, you know, we, we, we hope we get stuff back like that. Cause we need it. Like after what, 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 what we lost and what my sister went through. In Breck Bassinger, John's found the perfect person to take all he loved about his sister and make it into the character he wanted Courtney Whitmore to be. 
Breck knew the origins of the characters. She knew why I wanted to do the show. She knew why I was so hands-on in the show. I mean, I moved to Atlanta and I was there every day of production um, because I I had to make this as good as I can make it. And I wanted to pour everything I had into the show, which I which I did for four years. Um, and we talked a lot about Courtney. Like uh, the first year in particular, because a lot of the crew and the cast and the writers knew you know, ultimately, I have to tell the story of where the character came from or why I'm doing the show or what, why it's important to me and what our purposes, you know, was I wanted to create a show for families that they could watch together. That was about people that care about each other and about, you know, the good in people and the never ending light. Um, it, it was it was all about that and destiny. And. And so I the first season and I hadn't talked about my sister in a long time like that, the first season of the show when we were shooting it and prepping it um breck and i spoke a lot and she took it very seriously is the wrong word because she took it up she really took it as a torch to to carry and um good try not to get emotional and uh you know we were at the saturn awards in october last october and and she won uh best young actress of the year second time in a row but it was the first time we were there because because COVID was, had been restrained a bit. So we were there and she went up on stage and she dedicated the award to my sister. And that was such a special moment for me. Um, and for us, I mean, she's, she's as close to family as I, as I can get with her. She's just an amazing human being. John's found the cast crew and everyone else involved with the show was just as motivated by his sister as he was. The prop master even gave a nod to her in the pilot, creating a photo of Courtney Whitmore on a bench next to Courtney Johns. In the last episode of the first season, Johns ensured his sister's name would be on the show forever. One of the things I was, again, grateful for was that Warner Brothers and the people at Warner Brothers, Peter Roth and Greg Berlanti and Susan Rovner and Clancy Collins and everybody who, who at the studio um, help make the show and then ultimately Mark Pedowitz who picked it up at CW and gave us life for three seasons they all knew how special and important the character was to me and the show was to me and they all were super supportive and one of the things that ultimately um, we added at the end of the last episode of season one was this dedication card where I really wanted to have her, her name on it I really wanted to dedicate this to her and have that card in there and they, they put it in there and it's locked in the show and it's, you know, forever a testament to her. And I love that, uh, um, that that's there and that I was able to do that and share just Courtney's story with the world, like Stargirl, whether they, they know um, the details of my sister or not, the fact that Stargirl can be kind of this symbol of people that people can look to, um, especially young, young kids. Like I, I it was, you know, it was magical to me that we, again, we got to do that. Stargirl is a great story of professional success. But it's clear to me Johns doesn't think of it as that, or at least as just that. The fact that he's been so successful with something that means so much to him as the thing that makes it special. And it's something that keeps Courtney close to his family. It's something he can share with his young son. And although he told me a few times he's not spiritual, he said he hopes his sister is somewhere watching. I hope she's out there and she really loves it. And I hope she gets a kick out of it and 
and sees it as a tribute to how much I loved my sister. Um, Cause that's what it is. And the things that spawn the people I've seen dress up like her, the little kids that dress up like her at conventions, the toys, the posters, the statues appearing in video games and TV shows and animation. I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing that that character has, 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 has done that. Um, and I think she'd be really proud of it. I think she'd really think it's fun. And hopefully she didn't love how much it embodies her. And, um, and yeah, she'd say, say, you, you, you know, you did it, you've done enough. I hope she'd feel like it was a tribute that was worth her. I often think now that I really love comic books and got into all this stuff. And, and even though I love comics long before my sister died, I, I, I often feel like I was supposed to get into comics and film and television and all this stuff so that I could do this for her, that I was prepared to create a comic book character for her. And then I kind of prepared myself to create the TV show star girl for her that, that a lot of this stuff in my life, I've been very fortunate in my career, very grateful for what I've gotten to do and who I've gotten to work with and what I've gotten to work on and, and everything. But, but there's nothing that compares to any of it when I talk about Stargirl. It would be easy to end the story here. But as I've learned time and again working on this podcast, life and grief don't wrap up so neatly as an episode of television. And the joy Courtney Whitmore has brought to John's, his family, and Stargirl fans around the world doesn't make up for the absence of Courtney John's. I went through grief for a long time. I, I kind of internalized it and it, and it kind of came out in anger. And I went through grief counseling about eight years after she died because I was experiencing a lot of emotional difficulties and, you know, bursts of anger or depression or, you know, anxiety. And, and that really helped clear me. Even just going for a few months helped kind of get me through the process and then writing about it through comics or through TV or film and, and writing about loss and processing loss and kind of, you know, not because you can't overcome it. You don't get past it. You just incorporate it and figure out how to live with it as part of you. And, um, and it took a while to do that. But but she, you know, she was great, just great kid. When you have someone that's snapped away from you so violently and suddenly, it's a shock to the system. And you're kind of in emotional shock and grief for, for a long, long time, longer than you probably even realize. One of the things that really helped me, and it, again, it was eight years later when I finally saw a counselor, which was much too long, was... The counselor asked me, well, what do you think of when you think about your sister? And I had a really dark image because I thought about her death. And she helped me retrain my brain, really just to think about, she's like, well, what was the one of the best memories ever? And I'm like, well, it was, I remember like, I just remember her laughing hysterically when I was chickling her. And she was like pleading for me to stop in a funny way and saying, I'll give you some money. I'll give you some money. It was just so funny. I just remember having just so many fun times with her. And she said, well, think of that first now. And that simple little thing just changed how I thought about her. And then I started to just think about all the good things. And I focused on all the good. And that really helped, helped me a lot. 
This podcast is full of stories of people who do big things in memory of people they've lost. But John's is quick to point out, you don't have to create a nonprofit or a comic or a podcast for that matter. I think it's so great that you've been able to take something so horrible and make it into something great and something that you're proud of and something that gives you joy. Cause I think a lot of people want to do that. Um, and, and you've got, you know, the, the influence and the, and the privilege and the talent to be able to do exactly what you've done, but it doesn't have to be a comic, right? It doesn't have to be a TV show. It can be, it can be anything. It can be anything. It can be a garden. It can be, uh, it can be literally anything that like anything that they love you, you can, you know, join up in or help somebody else learn or I, I like any pass on stories, anything, anything you can do. And, um, you know, I, I think it's just whatever is going to give you comfort. Um, cause it's not about like, you know, it's, it's about remembering the person in whatever way is the best for you. I think finding something active that you could do that, that would, that would just help you, help you feel the power or what they meant to you, I think helps a lot. When I wrapped Stargirl season three, I honestly felt this is as healed as I'm going to be. It's as healed as I'm going to be. And I was and very happy about that, by the way. I was like, I felt so um, content that there's nothing I could do to change what happened. But boy, do I feel like I did everything I could to express to the world how much I really loved her. When we were done talking, there was one last thing I had to tell Johns, another of those Stargirl destiny points, but one he didn't know. There was a reason Courtney Whitmore caught my eye. When I first moved to Chicago in 2002, I got a job at a newspaper called The Star. I talked about it in a previous episode. It was an amazing job. I met my husband working there, but I also met an amazing group of women I'm friends with to this day. And although, sadly, we are not a band of superheroes, they're the ones I'd want by my side in any fight. We call ourselves the Stargirls. And now that I know the story of Courtney Johns, the original Stargirl, I can share it with them and all of you. And to me, that's a whole lot better than a grainy photo in an old magazine. Sister